Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Well, you, in the name of the Lord, you may be seated for just a moment. You just got to understand, I just felt like I missed the Lord tonight. And I'm going to tell you, she can pray right there as long as she wants to. Too many times in our churches, we've got so order-driven that we've actually got out of order. Because what's important tonight is the moving of the Holy Ghost. It's the moving of the Holy Ghost. And while I want to say one more thing, our pastor tonight, Sister Chavis, our pastor missed it on one word tonight. He said, we are going up. And the Lord said, he missed it by one word. This church is not going up. It's going out. It's going out. It just started here. God has raised this church up. God has raised this church up for other anointings to be distributed throughout this region. Jesus Christ is about to come and will do a work in this region. That is a fact. But the question is tonight, will you be a part of it? For God has raised you up and God has done a most. Bishop Chavis said it right tonight. Nine years. Look what the Lord has done. He has gathered His people together. I, um, I miscalculated today. My wife and I wanted to go to the mall and it said on our GPS 13 miles. Well, where I'm from, 13 miles, I can get 13 miles in eight minutes illegally. I can go 18 miles in just a few minutes or 13 miles in a few minutes. 45 minutes and I drove through all these communities and I said to myself there needs to be a church here and I drove a little further and I said there needs to be a church here and I drove a little further and I said there needs to be a church here and I believe that God has raised your pastor up not just to pastor here but I believe the vision will spread out all through this region. Amen. I believe that with all my heart tonight. I do give honor to your pastor. I give honor to Truth Chapel. I give honor tonight to Bishop and Sister Chavis. A man that I have heard of all of my life. And I had the privilege of meeting today. Sister Carpenter and I have been so blessed the last 24 hours to be here. The hospitality, but the anointing. Your pastor has 
blessed our church in Maryville on numerous, on numerous occasions. He recently has put together what's called a, a battle cry tour. And, and um, only eternity is going to reveal what five days, five nights has come, has come of that. Before I read my text tonight, I, um, sometimes I look at numbers. And of course we all realize that in 2020 COVID hit. And we had all these visions and plans. We were going to preach on 2020 vision. And we didn't see that coming. 2020 ends with a zero. I don't know what God did here, but I know that God stripped us in Maryville to nothing. God took us down to zero. And all losses are not necessarily a loss. And All gains are not necessarily a gain. He stripped us to zero and showed us a few things that we really needed. And that was His presence. 2021 came around and it was as if God was rebuilding us. But He was rebuilding us one person at a time. Seemed like individuals were being strengthened. Seemed like people could stand on their own. 2022 is just a few days away, Pastor. And 2022 ends with the number two. The number two speaks of unity. Jesus sent them out two by two. It was Paul and Silas. It was Peter and John. And I believe that 2022, that we're going to see a great anointing of unity upon the church of Jesus Christ as never before. Because one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. If you have your Bibles and would stand with me just for a few moments while I read some scripture, I must tell you I feel very honored to stand to stand in this place this evening. The book of Genesis chapter 2 And verse number 8. The book of Genesis chapter 2. And verse number 8. Again beautiful worship. I believe you can hand them. I believe you could hand a microphone to anybody in this church. And they could sing. Except me. All right. They just kept handing the microphones around tonight. This one could sing. And that one could sing. And uh, The Lord is truly. The Lord is truly blessed you. The book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil really don't have a title tonight as much as I just kind of have a thought. And that thought would be God has always prepared a place for His people. God has always prepared a place for His people. Pray with me. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you for the anointing that's in this place. 
God, only you know this evening, Lord, the future of this church. God, only you know what you will cause to fall upon the mind and spirit of our visionary pastor and his wife and family, church leaders. God, I ask you tonight to allow me to play a small role in depositing in the hearts and the minds of your people tonight the value of our place of worship. I pray this evening, God, and I'll give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you give the Lord a hand of praise as you're being seated? God has and will always have unlimited resources for the establishing and maintaining of this place known to us as the house of God. God has unlimited resources for the establishing and the maintenance of this wonderful place. And I'm going to just tell you, I am a lover of the house of God. I, I, I love the house of God. I love the house of God. I'm thankful that during COVID we had the internet. I'm thankful for online ministries. But I want you to know, there's nothing that takes the place like being in the house of the Lord. A couch is all right, but a pew is much better. A screen is all right, but it's wonderful to be able to reach out and touch someone. Feel that love. I love the house of God. Your pastor will always have more vision than he has finances. That's just the truth. He'll always have more vision than he will finances. But if we will be willing to follow the vision, I promise you, God has unlimited resources. Unlimited. It's interesting to note that God created the seas by the spoken word for the fish to swim in. And God, by the spoken word, created the atmosphere for the birds to fly. God, by his spoken word, created the trees for the birds to nest in, for fruit to grow on. But it, when it came to God's highest creation, the Bible says that God planted a garden. It doesn't say God created a garden. It says that God planted a garden. God worked at this place. I wonder what the angels were thinking because he simply said, let the waters bring forth and let the sky be filled. He, he simply spoke and all these things were done. And maybe the angels were saying, what is he doing down there? He's working on something. He's, he's not creating. He's actually planting. He is planting a garden because when it comes to God and God's love for humanity, just any old place won't do. God has a special place for lost humanity. 
And it is the house of God. Now just stay with me for a few moments. I may not get in a faster gear than that. But I'm going to ask some questions. What did God have before Noah's ark? The answer? What did God have before Noah's ark? Noah. Right? You've got to be real deep in the... What did he have before Noah's ark? What did God have before Noah? A plan. God had a plan before he had a man. And God had a plan before a man built a boat. God had a plan. When this was a schoolhouse, God had a plan. When that, the, the, the buildings you all were mentioning tonight for whatever purpose, warehouses, whatever purpose those, uh, the, the, those places you've come from, whatever purpose they were, God looked down from heaven and said, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I have got, before God had Noah, he had a plan. Before there was an ark, God had a plan. What did God have before True Chapel, answer, Pastor and First Lady Amanda Chavis. What did God have before Pastor and First Lady Amanda Chavis? God had a plan. I don't know about you, I like God's plan. I like to get it. Whenever God begins to reveal himself, it's good to say, I want to be a part of that plan. God had a plan. Now, True Chapel, you operate tonight in both plan A and plan B of God's plan. God has a plan A and God has a plan B. Plan A is to convert and disciple sinners. That's plan A. Plan A is going to all the world and Loganville is a part of all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, not some, but every creature. Here a while back at my office, I got an advertisement from a marketing company. And uh, I started reading the letter, and, and it was a marketing company that had the ability to send me the addresses and information for every move-in that came into Blount County where I pastor. I thought, well, this is pretty good, but I kept reading. And it says, we will also, for an upcharge, uh, we will also provide you their income level so that you can determine whether they belong in your congregation or not. I told the secretary, I said, tear that trash up, throw it in the garbage can. Because God's plan doesn't include most people. It's not poor people. It's not rich people. It's not white people. It's not black people. It's not Asian people. Listen to me tonight. God's plan is for all people. And if you're here tonight and you don't have heaven's sweet best gift called the Holy Ghost, you can get it. Yes, you can get it tonight because God has a plan. Pastor Chavis, I'm sorry. I just feel really at home here tonight. I... I I'm not one of these fellas that like to preach that sermon, the point of no return. 
Oh, you've went far beyond. God's given up on you and all, all, all this. I, I'm just not one of those people that preach that. Because I just quite honestly don't believe it. I believe my motto is if there's breath in your body, there's hope in your soul. If there's breath, and listen, listen to me tonight. That's why God is going to explode this region because we have multiplied the man. That we have multiplied a man that believes. Well, now wait a minute. Tell me what plan B is. Now plan B is there when plan A doesn't work. Not so. Plan A is to convert and disciple sinners. Plan B, really pay attention to this. Plan B is for people who have made wrong decisions. I'm talking about the people we converted. You may be seated. When I was preparing for this evening, God spoke to my heart. And God said, that's a hospital there. That's a hospital there. That's a place for restoration. That's a place for the broken to come. That's a place to, for people to come that somehow got in their mind that whatever they did rendered them unlovable and unsavable. But God has said, wait a minute, I'm going to raise up True Chapel. And True Chapel is going to get a reputation throughout all the land. Let me tell you about a, let me tell you about a, a young man that backslid. Let me tell you about a young man that, 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 that backslid. He went in, he, he left the church, got out of the church, got as far away from the church as he could get, and he became an alcoholic. And he lived an immoral life and frequented with prostitutes and everything else. But he got broke one day, and he had to go down and dig through the dumpster. He had to go down and dig in the dumpster. And in the dumpster, and I'm, I'm using this story now, in the dumpster he came to himself and he said how many servants in my watch it now in my father's house have bread and enough to spare I will arise and go back to my father and I'll say father I'm no more worthy to be called your son make me one of your hired servants can I tell you evidently the father had so much love that the boy when it got time to come back he said I may not be a son anymore but I know my father would hire me thank God for a place called truth chapel where the spirit of restoration hey get the word out Every prodigal you can find, tell them to come to True Chapel. Tell them there's mercy here. Tell them there's grace here. Tell them there's restoration. Tell them. Plan B is for people who have made wrong decisions, which leads to wrong direction. Don't separate yourself from Abraham, Lot. Don't separate yourself from Abraham, Lot. Can I tell you, church, don't separate yourself from this plan. Hell is going to fight you as never before because hell knows that if you keep on going the way you do, you're going to multiply, 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 multiply. So hell will do everything that it can to stop you. But don't separate from the plan. Don't become a lot. 
Because Lot separated from Abraham. He went the wrong direction. He made the wrong decisions. And he went the wrong direction. And he finds himself taken hostage by the kings. He represents or he is a typology of a backslider. Because in Genesis 14 and verse 13, it says, And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, Abram the Hebrew. Now why does it say Abram the Hebrew? The word Hebrew means to cross over, to go back and forth. Why did they tell Abram and mention the Hebrew? Because there's some people that can only minister to the perfect or the seemingly perfect. There are some people that have forgotten where the Lord has brought them from. You never get so spiritual not to tell your testimony. Thank God for that wonderful couple that got up here tonight. But if 20 years from now goes by, I hope that they're still coming up on a platform. They may be on a cane wobbling up here, but I hope. See, some people get too blessed to remember. They think it's, they think it's beneath them. They think it's beneath them. You may be seated. I had someone write me a little note one time and they said, uh, you're, our, you're our general superintendent. You, you, you really don't need to say these things. We, we feel like that belittles you. Because I told about being 16 years old and smoking marijuana. I told about being 16 years old and when I couldn't find, when I couldn't get money, steal money to buy marijuana, I'd go buy me a, a, a can of spray paint. And I'd fill that spray paint. I'd get me a bag and I'd fill that, spray, that, that bag full of the fumes of that spray paint. And I'd pull that bag over my head and I would inhale those fumes and pass out. I'd open the lid. I, I was searching. I was looking for anything. I'd unscrew the lid on the lawnmower and sniff gas to get a, just to get a, a momentary rush in my mind. But thank God my mama put me in a Christian school. Where I wasn't looked at as trash. I was looked at as potential treasure. And somebody loved me enough to bring me this gospel. I got baptized in Jesus' name. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, can I, can I tell you something? The night I got the Holy Ghost, I rolled in the floor. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Standing there, you may be seated standing there in my blue jeans and my flip-flops and my, my little muscle shirt that I had on and my little long hair. I was, I was uh, bad to the bone. I mean, I, I, was, I, I was bad, man. I standing there in that church service and I'd, I, had, I had withstood the, the altar calls of many evangelists. I'd heard more motorcycles hitting freight trains. I'd heard more people dying after church and all that. I had withstood all these altar calls, all these fancy evangelists. But that night I was standing there in that pew and the organ player, a little, a little lady on the organ was playing and she looked back and she looked at me and I looked up at her and so help me God, you'll never convince me any different. Her eyes were on fire. And she did this like this right here. And I just looked straight down to the floor. And, and the next thing I knew, somebody punched me. 
And that organ player was standing at the edge of the pew and she simply says she didn't have car wreck stories to tell. She didn't have all of this on, she didn't have all these horror stories to tell about rejecting Christ. She just looked at me and she said, young man, don't you think it's time? I said, yes, ma'am. And I crawled out of that pew and I went up to the altar. She said, lift your hands and say, Jesus. I lifted my hands and I said, Jesus. And when I did something I had never felt in all of my life, it was the coolest of water that I felt. I felt cool water flow over my ankles. And I, I remember thinking, now that feels good. And somebody said, say it again. And I, I said, Jesus, I love you. And the next time that cool water hit me about my waist. And, and I thought, oh, that, that feels good. I, I, I've never felt that. I've sniffed gas. I have smoked marijuana. I've got drunk. And, and let me tell you, while I'm on that subject, people can pair the Holy Ghost to drugs. It ain't nothing like drugs. It is nothing like drugs. You don't have a hangover. You don't have to hang your head the next day. Oh, if you'll get the Holy Ghost, you'll be... If now, now, if I ever, Pastor, if I ever heard, if I ever heard the literal voice of Satan, I heard him in my ear say these words, you are about to make a fool out of yourself. And about that time, the devil was yelling in this year and somebody yelled in that one and said, say it again. And I said, I love you, Jesus. And this time there was a wave hit me. Not my ankles, not my knees, not my waist. It went plumb over my head. I knocked me flat of my back. I laid there on the floor. I remember that night my mama took me to church and she had red high heel shoes on. And I, for whatever reason, I remember seeing mother's shoes. And I laid there on my back. And I looked out of the corner of my eye and my mother's shoes, high heel shoes, were like two Singer sewing machines going up and down, up and down, up and down. Mama asked me, she said, you kept rubbing the side of your face, Kenny. She said, when you, when you fell in the altar, did you hurt the side of your face? I said, no, Mama. I thought that string, that, that bottom little string on the bottom of my tongue had come loose. And it felt like my tongue was like cookie dough. It was, and I was trying to put my tongue back in my mouth. I, I, was trying to, I was trying to put my tongue back in my mouth. Can I tell you something? I don't care how many superintendent badges you get. You should never be ashamed to get up and tell about what the Lord has done for you. I want to be an Abram. I want to be able to cross over. If I need to tell you about Daniel and the end of time, if I need to polish your perfection, I want to polish you with the Beatitudes. But if I have to cross over and I have to tell a drug addict, the Lord can help you. He can move upon. I want to be Abram to cross. I want to be able I can teach you the Beatitudes. I can tell you how many toes the Antichrist has got. I can go deep in the Word. Oh, let me get over here. There's a woman that has fallen in sin. I can tell you God's grace is real. God's grace. Abram. Abram, now listen to this. Watch this now. Abram, verse 14. And this is, this is where it separates the men from the boys. Genesis 14, 14. And when Abram heard his brother was taken captive. When Abram heard his brother was taken captive. 
he took to Facebook. When Abram heard his brother had, had been taken captive, that calls him his brother. You know, they're still our brother. Whether they're in the house or not. They're still our brother. If Ananias can call a Christian killer Brother Saul, and he didn't, he didn't have the Holy Ghost and he wasn't baptized yet, I believe I can call a prodigal brother. He didn't take the Facebook. He didn't get his friends and say, didn't I tell you that's going to happen? That was going to happen when they lose. We get out from under me. That, that's going to happen when they get out of here. No, he armed when he heard that his brother was taken captive. He put 318 soldiers together. And he went out. And he captured. And he defeated. And he brought back his nephew Lot. And he brought back all the goods that Lot had. Sound like restoration to me. He took back what the devil had stolen. He went in a spirit of restoration and he got Lot and he got his family and he brought him back. But now another interesting story takes place. Genesis 14 and 18. Now here's Abram, the crossover. Here here he is and he's coming back with Lot. He's coming back in a spirit of restoration. And this unusual man meets him, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. He is an Old Testament type of Jesus Christ. He brings bread and he brings wine. He brings word and he brings spirit. He brings word and he brings joy. He comes and he meets Abram. And verse 19, and he blessed him and said, and said, and said, be Abraham blessed of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thine own land. So he's a type of Jesus Christ, and he brings forth the word, and he brings forth the joy, but he also brings forth a blessing. So he's giving Abraham. Jesus Christ is giving, Melchizedek is giving Abraham a blessing, but it doesn't stop. It says, and he, Abram, gave him tithes of all. So here when Abram, Melchizedek came forth, and was given Abram word, spirit, and blessing. Abraham in return gave back to him tithe of all that he had gotten in, in the battle. Uh, you, you mentioned, Pastor, you, you mentioned our, our small help to you in that first year. Looks like, Sister Carpenter, we got a good return on our investment. We got us a good return because you know you never invest in anything that you're not looking for a return. I want you to know nine years after we made our investment of a measly little $1,500 a month, look what the Lord has done with our investment. Oh, can I tell you? Let's, Let's not allow the adversary to rob us on the subject of money. 
because we're going to need money to build all these churches in this region. We're going to need money to lease buildings. We're going to need money to, uh, to, to, to remodel the buildings. We're going to need money. But see, the world has taught us when money is mentioned in church, get real quiet because that's not the preacher's place to talk about money. Who says? Who says? Most people that complain about giving don't give. Asked a man one time, he came up to me and we'd had one of them wild services, people running, jumping. And a man came up to me, Brother Chavis, and he said, I don't, I don't believe in all that running. I said, you ever run? I said, you ever run? He said, no, I've never run. I said, well, how do you know it don't work? The Bible said they shall run and not get weary. Maybe if you're weary, you're not running. You know who complains about money? Most of the time, people that don't give. But can I tell you, those that give get hilarious about it. They just get all hilarious about giving because they have given and they've watched God give, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men add? Come on, that's exactly right. Be a hilarious giver. Laugh about it. Give to the work of God. And you know what? It's not about giving a $10 bill and getting a 100 back the next day. Now, Abraham gave tithe of all. He gave tithe of all, Bishop Chavis, to this here fella called Melchizedek. Now, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 1, I'll just really, I'm going to go through it real quick. The typology comes out. Hebrews 7, 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being interpreted king of righteousness, and after that king of Salem, which is king of peace. It goes all, all the way down, and it starts talking about the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood came about by the tribe, by the tribe of Levi. And it simply says in verse 5, And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithe of the people according to the law. So the Levites have a commandment to take tithe. To take tithe. That is, that, that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he, now speaking about Melchizedek, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithe of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Um, and, without all, and without all contradiction, the less is blessed by, by, of the better. And here men that die receive tithe, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. This is what I want to go to now. And as I may say so, Levi also received tithe who received tithes, paid tithe in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Wait a minute now. Levi, Levitical priesthood, is Abraham's, Abraham's, uh, would be Abraham's great-grandson. If you figure it out, it'd be Abraham. But the writer says that Levi paid tithe while he was yet in the loins of Abraham. Meaning what you and I are doing tonight 
is spiritual preparation for generations that are not even born yet. Think about that. Your support of the work of God, whether it's your time, whether it's your talents, whether it's your treasure, is going to live on long after you're gone from the scene. Now, several years ago when we were building, Brother Chavis, that first building you came and preached for up on the hill, we were building that building by faith and I needed some money to pour the concrete for the sanctuary. And I never forget that Sunday morning, a man, I, I said, folks, uh, uh, $11,000, we could pour the concrete. And I had it broken down. I had it broken down where it would start. Who would like to buy the concrete across the altar here? And, and a man raised his hand. He said, I'll give you $1,000 on that. $1,000. Thank you. Several years later, that man was long gone. I had preached his funeral, preached his wife's funeral. Several years later, two little old girls came into our church one Sunday night. God have mercy. You could tell the world had really butchered these girls up. You could tell the signs of drug addiction. You could see it on their body. You could see it in their eyes. But I gave the altar call that night. And them two little old girls, teenage girls, came up the altar. God filled them both with the Holy Ghost. And they both got baptized in Jesus' name. I started talking to them and I asked them about how they, they knew about the church. And they said, well, our great-grandfather used to attend this church. And said he used to bring us here when we were just, just little babies. He used to bring us here. And that great-grandfather, the very $1,000 worth of concrete that, that poured that altar section was where them two little old girls knelt down and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you tonight, future generations, there's some of your kinfolk coming in the church. They may not come in this one. They may come in the one that's closest to their house. But somebody's going to sow into. Oh, let me, let, me bring this, let me bring this to a close. You musicians would come. I'm not done, but it may make the audience feel better. Jacob had an experience with God, saw the ladder, the angels, and he made a vow. And Genesis 28, 18, he said, And Jacob arose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. Now watch Jacob. Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Watch him now. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. He said, I want to support this house. I want to support this place. God, if you'll give me your protection, if you'll give me your provision, if you will give me your presence, and you will give me your peace. God, 
I'll gladly bring the tithe to this place. 430 years of slavery rolled around. God's people had served for 430 some odd years. It got time for them to come out of Egyptian bondage. God spoke to them in Exodus 3 and verse 21 and simply said these words. He said, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, when you go, you come out of Egypt, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold, raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Do you realize what it looked like that night, church, when the people of God, after 430 some odd years of being slaves, they looked like slaves. They didn't have the clear complexion of the Egyptians. They didn't have the fine silk garments of the Egyptians. They were a war-torn, weary-looking group. But they had been brought out of bondage by the blood of the Lamb. But God said to the parents, When you leave Egypt that night, they're going to be giving you jewels and gold and silver. And said, I, I want you to put it on your children. Can you imagine them little boys and girls coming up out of Egypt? Garments heavy laden with gold pins and gold and silver and pockets full of silver and pockets full of gold. Can I tell you, I'm coming out of Egypt. My wife and I are first generation Pentecost. My daddy changed tires for Goodyear Tire Company. We're first generation Pentecost. By the help of my God, I've not had any children to have to stick their head in a bag full of paint fumes. By the help of God, I've not had any grandbabies have to go down and look for something. And by the help of God, because I've been brought out of Egypt, and I'm going to put the jewels on my children. I'm going to put those jewels on my grandbabies. I'm going to put them on my, on my children. Some years later, God said, it's time that gold and silver you brought out of Egypt. That gold and silver you brought out of Egypt. That's to build me a house. I had you bring that gold and silver. and I had you bring all the linens and the, the purple. And I had you bring all the things out of Egypt. I had you bring them out of Egypt because I want a sanctuary. And oh, I love the wording. That I may dwell among them I want you to bring me what you got in Egypt you, you, you poor Israelites don't have gold you don't have silver but you got it out of Egypt you got it from Egypt but before that it happened they allowed the enemy to come into their minds question their leader where is this Moses at He's been up there on the mountain. We don't, we don't know where Moses is at. Where, where is this Moses at? The enemy calls them to question their leader. And the next thing they know, they've requested 
make us gods like we had in Egypt. And Aaron said, bring me your gold. Where'd you get the gold from? Egypt. Bring me what you brought out of Egypt. And they did. And Aaron made a golden calf. And they worshipped it to their own shame. Sometime later, Moses come down from the mountain. And the Bible said he took that golden calf and he put it in the fire and he melted it down. And then the Bible said after it cooled off, he took a hammer and beat it into small powder, a powdery substance. And then the Bible said he put it in water and he made them to drink it. Now you know as the digestive system goes, that gold that was mixed into water went into their body and as our body so does that gold went into the sewer so God gives us finances tonight we determine what we're going to do with it is it going to go into the sewer or is it going to go into the sanctuary are we going to use it and it end up in the sewer of life Or will we bring it to the house of God? And will God take of our treasure that we have here, Lord? And that treasure can come in the form of time. That treasure can come in the form of talent like we saw here tonight. And yes, that treasure can come in the form of money. So what am I going to do with it? What what am I going to do? Two houses of God were built in the Old Testament. One was a magnificent house. Splendid. Solomon's temple. But the people got wrapped up in the temple. And they left their God. And God allowed Solomon's temple to be destroyed. Years later, Haggai came along and they began to rebuild the temple. It didn't look like the first temple. It didn't have, Bishop, it didn't have all the flair of the first temple. But a prophecy was put out about that temple. They said there's going to come one into this temple that will be greater than all, a greater than Solomon. And some time later, Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus into that temple. Didn't have all the splendor of Solomon's temple with just a plain temple you know God is doing something very unusual here in Loganville he's doing something very unusual I want to see this this is not even oh good people tonight we've not even scratched the surface of what God is going to do would you stand with me for a moment would you just stand with me would you pray with me right now I want to feel the leading of the Lord right now I want, to feel, I want to feel the leading of the Lord right now. Just the leading of God. The leading of... Would you, would you pray? Would you pray loud enough that you can hear yourself pray? Would you pray loud enough that you can hear yourself pray? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.